being a grandparent is meant to be a time when you can enjoy watching another generation grow without the responsibilities of parenthood. But for some, instead of a leisurely retirement, they opt to step in to raise a grandchild. Social Issues reporter Teresa Cowie looks at the burden this can impose and asks whether the government is getting a cheap deal out of these kin carers. It's dinner time at the Utu Taonga's home in the Wellington suburb of Newlands. Terry and husband Murray have just returned from a day at work, and their boys are watching some telly after spending the past few hours at after-school care. The routine seems well rehearsed. Murray's holding the grill pan as Terry scoops out the fish, and all the while she's got one eye on the broccoli that's boiling away on the stove. A fairly usual suburban scene, except for the notable age gap between the two in the kitchen and the two waiting patiently at the table. Terry and Murray, both in their mid-fifties, are bringing up her daughter's two boys, Reuben, who's ten, and Isaiah, eight. Murray explains what they went through when they decided to step in. Well, it really wasn't a decision. It was, um, yeah, we thought of all the other things that had happened when our kids were growing up. We've only got a certain amount of time life or work life left, and shall we or shan't we? And then we looked at the options, it was either that our grandchildren go into a foster home, and of course government departments are fairly well whānau based, and we get the first choice, so it was, wasn't really much of a choice. A situation developed where Ruben's mum was in a bit of trouble, and uh, we decided, OK, if we're going to give this kid a chance, he's going to have a good chance. You know, rather, and we're not going to be a statistic, and just because their mum has fallen over, and when um, we had the opportunity to get the other one two years ago, we had the same thought. The Utu Taongas say they wanted to stop neglect and welfare dependency entering the next generation. A variety of reasons prompt grandparents to step in. According to a 2005 report on grandparents raising grandchildren, only a handful of situations occurred because the parents died or became ill. A Massey University Honorary Research Associate, Jill Worrell, compiled the report. The research that I did showed that for, for 42% of those children, the reason they came into care was drug abuse by their parents, followed by alcohol abuse, followed by mental illness and um, domestic violence. He has no idea that socks come in pairs. But if they don't have holes, they work, I say. Cecily Donovan's grandson, Harley Thorpe, is one of those children, and she took custody of him when he was 11. Cecily had to go to Australia to remove Harley from the care of his drug-addicted father. As we leave through a photo album showing pictures of Harley as a child, I ask her what memory she has of the time she decided to step in. We can expect the sheer and utter panic of the feeling of, my God, we're responsible for this child to raise him, and um, was I able to, was I equipped to, could I? And I guess fears for his safety, fears about um, what the situation was going to be like, where we would live. Grandparents looking after grandchildren have the advantage of having raised children before, but the sudden extra responsibility can create a number of pressures. And that's Peter Pan, that's Kaiga Lily, that's Kaiga Lily's father, Captain Hawk.
The KPAC, Sally, who's 61, and Norman, 71, are full-time carers to one of the eight children Sally's mentally ill daughter is unable to look after. They were living in Hudson, New York, when they heard Sally's New Zealand daughter had gone missing with their granddaughter. When the two were found, Child, Youth and Family Services asked the KPACs to take over care, and suddenly they had to up sticks and move to New Zealand. After having just bought and renovated a cottage back in the States, bringing up a toddler in New Zealand was not how they'd pictured their retirement years. Sally says she copes with the tiredness and upheaval by dividing her day into segments. I have the morning segment with uh, our granddaughter, then I take her to creche, and then I have my time, and then she comes home again, and it's her time again, and so I compartmentalise my my day. The KPACs say having a four-year-old in the house means they can't just go out to a movie or to visit friends in the way they used to. Then there's the age factor. Cecily Donovan's grandson Harley is a 20-year-old university student now and after he heads out the door to his part-time job at an insurance company she tells me about the time when she was confronted by worries over her own mortality. I had a, a spinal fusion that didn't fuse and various other medical conditions and I remember being in intensive care in Wellington Hospital when my grandson as a young boy stood beside my bed and said Grandma if you die where will I go and you know that's a you know I would have liked to have curled up and died just at that moment but I knew I couldn't Um, so I think responsibility has its own burdens he was responsible for his parents he was then responsible for a little sister I could not have him responsible for a grandmother so I had to stay well. Cecily's grandson is now old enough to leave home. But for Sally and Norman Kapak, the question of who would look after their granddaughter if they became ill or died still remains. I haven't thought about it. I don't want to think about it. Um, Norman would then, if he's still alive, be her caregiver. But no, I it's something I don't want to think about. But, you know, I have people in mind who... I would like to sort of take care of and neither of us are around but I'm hoping that we will be here to see her get married. And what about you? Do you have concerns in that regard about... Yes, I have concerns. I've not expressed them verbally for the most part. Um, I'm concerned about our my health more than Sally's. I know that I have some potentially disabling, very disabling situations. And so... It's a concern, but I don't know what truly can be done about that other than trying to provide um, an enveloping family so that she knows that abandonment is not in her future. Massey University's Jill Worrell says a lot of the emotions felt by grandparents are tied up in grief. There's grief of the grandparents that, in actual fact, their own children have got into the position where they can't raise their own children, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's death, whether it's mental illness. So there's all that grief there. And another 
thing that they feel often is resentment. People say, I love my grandchild dearly, but I really want to be doing what other people my age are doing. This isn't what I saw for myself. There's sometimes anger. They feel angry at their own children for not actually um, managing their lives properly and not looking after these children. Jill Worrell says their homes can be an emotionally draining environment, especially in the first few years of taking over care of the child. It affects the whole extended family emotionally. So you have the other children who are raising their children quite well saying, I'm really feeling resentful, Mum and Dad. You've got these two children and you pour all your energies into them. What about your other grandchildren out here? Have you forgotten those? Or Mum and Dad, you shouldn't have said yes. You should have said no, you wouldn't do it and, and let them you know, push on. So there is a maelstrom of emotions in the middle of that and I think that social workers and psychologists, if the grandparents are ever lucky enough to be able to get psychologists, really need to understand that. The financial impact can also be hard. For Mariutu Taonga and his wife Terry, their retirement savings have gone out the window. $10,000 on legal fees to gain custody of the children, having to buy a bigger house and the day-to-day -day cost of raising the boys has demolished their nest egg. I mean, we should have been into our retirement, semi-retirement now. We had plans to do our own thing in our mid-50s or, uh, well, we got ribbon when we were in our mid-40s, you know, so... Um, and then we just revised everything again. But if we didn't have these two, we'd probably be gallivanting around the world or doing other things and, and just kind of like saying, well, we've done our duty and uh, we want to kick back and relax. <coughs> but no, we just um, have to dig in a little bit more and it's the responsibility that we've taken. Mariutu Taonga says because of eight-year-old Isaiah's learning disability, they have to pour any extra money they can into his counselling and tutoring. They say they've had to learn modern parenting skills too to try to improve the boy's behaviour and give them a chance of getting a decent education. One trick they've learned is to keep a calendar by the fridge, where a tick a day means the boys can keep their games console privileges. A multiplication table chart with $5 and $10 notes pinned to it is a new idea they've picked up to encourage the boys to seek rewards for learning. It just goes two, one's a two, two, two's a four, and it's a finger-pointing thing, two, three's a six, and so forth, right down to 12. And what the kids do, and we purposely put it by the table, is this, rather than looking at that thing over there, which is the TV, they could just look at the board and just see if they learn their timetables, they'll, um, they're going to get a prize of either $5 or $10 in Ruben's case. And Ruben already knows his, his timetables, but he has trouble with these, these three, so he's in the throes of learning those. If the Ututaungas had chosen not to take custody of the boys, the youngsters would have eventually been taken into the care of child, youth and family and fostered out to strangers. Research suggests that children cared for within their family, so-called kinship care, have more stability and are more likely to remain in a placement than those in foster care. Christchurch Family Court lawyer Gary Collin says the Child, Youth and Family Services Act requires that families be looked to first as potential caregivers. Mr Collins says in most cases it's the grandparents and not other relatives who choose to step in. However, he cautions that grandparents may not always be the best choice. In some cases they are, and in other cases I think we have concerns about the quality of the grandparents who are looking after their children. Very often, family problems are generational. So the children are dysfunctional, often because 
their own upbringing was dysfunctional. In other words, the grandparents didn't look after them very well themselves. What's happening then is that those grandparents are bringing up their grandchildren and some of the issues that were present when they brought up their own children remain present when they bring up their grandchildren. Gary Collins says it could be that inappropriate placements are occurring to try to keep children within families that shouldn't have the care of children. And some grandparents who get custody could be passing on generational welfare dependency or family violence issues. While child youth and family is responsible for placing some children with their grandparents, in other cases, grandparents step in themselves and demand custody because they can see things going wrong. Gary Collins says those who find themselves in a custody battle get a raw deal out of the legal aid system. You almost have to be benefit-dependent in order to obtain legal aid. If you work, you're not likely to. So working grandparents normally have to fund legal fees from their own resources. For those that get legal aid, the costs can be chargeable against their assets so that if they own a house, they might have to later repay the legal aid monies that are advanced to them. In many cases, the parents are benefit-dependent or have no assets, so with free access to legal aid, they're in a better position to mount multiple challenges against custody orders than the grandparents. That's certainly my experience where children have had legal aid and they have continued to defend proceedings on legal aid, whereas the grandparent who is paying privately has struggled to meet the legal payments. I'd have to say, though, that most grandparents are quite committed to ensuring their grandchildren are well looked after, and many of them continue to fund legal fees even if it causes them significant hardship. Gary Collin says a lack of good legal aid lawyers leaves many grandparents scrambling for adequate representation. Cecily Donovan spent $20,000 of her savings on getting custody of her grandson Harley. They are able to take us to court over and over and over again until some wise judge says this is vexatious litigation and the complainant has to apply to the court for permission to apply to the court. It's unfair, it's inequitable and it's about the child, not about who should pay. Cecily Donovan thinks grandparents shouldn't have to pay. Murray and Terry Ututaonga simply gave up responding to the legal requests. My daughter had access to legal aid so she could have as many goes at the trough as she wanted and, and did. But every time we had a go at the trough, of course, a, a lawyer's just like a cat walking cash register. Ka-ching, ka-ching, you know. And in the end I just said, no, stuff this. Stuff this. We're not doing it anymore. The Utu Taongas say their decision has left them with no legal custody rights over their grandchildren, which means their daughter could try to take the boys back at any time. Within Māori families, it's been much more of a tradition that children are looked after by members of the extended family in informal arrangements. Hi, Dr Smith. Thanks for meeting with me today. Kia ora, Theresa. It's good to meet you. Dr Cheryl Smith is from Te Atawhaia Aotearoa, a Whanganui-based research institute, and is studying the experience of Māori who are raising their mokopuna, or grandchildren. It was considered a real honour for you to be raised by your grandparents because what that meant was you were able to be raised by the wisdom holders of the iwi and you would be given information which was important 
and you were regarded as a taonga or something very precious by those grandparents. In some ways, are Māori less likely to want to gain benefits for bringing up their mokopuna because of the association of doing that with honour? It's a really interesting question because of the 30 grandparents I spoke to about their mokopuna, I asked them if they were receiving financial aid and they were adamant they did not want it. They said, those are my mokopuna. And I felt as if there was an issue of pride there. She suggests that if whānau-friendly advocates explain to those grandparents that the benefits are for the children and not them, they could save a lot of hardship. Cheryl Smith's research has found that while Pākehā are inclined to head to court, Māori are less likely to see a need for legal custody. But informal arrangements can make it difficult to prove a family breakdown has occurred when applying for welfare benefits for the children. Some kinship carers like Terry and Murray Ututaonga do receive an unsupported child benefit of between $150 and $170 a week to go towards raising their grandsons. Traditionally, this benefit given to grandparents and family members has been less than the amount received by foster carers when they look after unrelated children. But on the 1st of April this year, depending on the age of the child, that basic benefit became equal to the foster care allowance. For the Utu Taongas, this means about $10 extra per child every week. We're fortunate in that we work, but um, grandparents that are surviving solely on super, that would be huge. huge. You know, that's like nearly winning lotto, you know. <laughs> and they're surviving on super and they've got, say like we've got, a, a 10-year-old and 8-year-old crikeys. The lobby group, the Grandparents Raising Grandchildren Trust, has welcomed the benefit increase. But its founding member and national convener, Diane Vivian, says kin carers still lose out. She cares full-time for her two teenage grandchildren and is a former foster carer and believes the government is getting a cheap deal from those who care for their grandchildren. After nine years of lobbying, we're very, very pleased that this has finally happened. But that's only part one of the battle. The second side of the battle is foster carers get what we call add-ons. And that could be they'll get their medical needs paid for for the children, dental, educational. They get clothing allowances, holiday and gift allowances. And that's given as a right to foster care people. But grandparents in our role of raising the grandchildren are not entitled to those benefits. So under those circumstances, I still firmly believe that our children are being disadvantaged. Uh, foster carers also are more likely to access respite care. Diane Vivian says as the age of the children goes up, so does the cost of raising them. The Minister of Social Development, Paula Bennett, says extending those add-ons to kin carers would cost about $20 million a year, and that's too expensive. But why should kin carers lose out? There is a debate about, you know, what is that level of state responsibility and what is that level of family responsibility. And I know in the past they've gone somewhere down the middle. I'm very pleased that we're, you know, eschewing to making that a bit more even. But it is a complex issue and it is one that, you know, at some level we stick up we stand up and we look after our own and I just admire them for doing it. I've met some amazing grandparents that are raising, you know, sort of seven or eight grandchildren of varying ages and are stressed and I've got some other ideas for perhaps some immediate support we can give them. So it's because they're family and they should be stepping up 
as opposed to foster carers who are choosing to take on the children. They're actually very different relationships. So most of those foster parents are because those children are in child, youth and family. So they are actually under state care and we have a responsibility under the Act to be providing for them. Uh, those other children which are under kin carers, there is not the same legal responsibility. So it does change the dynamic of that relationship with the government. Paula Bennett believes making the basic benefits equal is a good first step. Access to the in-work tax credit has also proved to be a problem for many retirees struggling to bring up their grandchildren. This component of the Working for Families tax credit could be worth as much as $60 a week. Susan St John, an economics professor at Auckland University and a spokesperson for the lobby group Child Poverty Action, says to receive this benefit, you have to be working at least 20 hours a week. Professor St John says this puts older people who don't work because of their age at a disadvantage. The problem is that it's only given to those families that meet the work requirements, 20 hours for a sole parent and 30 hours for a couple. Now, when we think about grandparents raising children, um, very often what happens is it's a grandmother. She has to leave her work to take care of the children. She can't work 20 hours if she's on her own, uh, but she can't get the in-work tax credit unless she works 20 hours. If she's in a couple, then it's not nearly as difficult. It could be that her partner is working 30 hours, so then she can have access to the in-work tax credit. So it's this false distinction between paid and unpaid work. If you're looking after somebody else's child, then that has to be classified as work. Professor St John says it's insulting to view looking after children as not working. So why not change the rules? Minister Paula Bennett. Well, wow, now there's a debate for us to have, because that's about mothers, that's about um, at-work mums, that's a debate for us to have as far as recognising you know, what's paid work and unpaid work and what's the value of it. Paula Bennett says there are better ways of helping out, like offering respite care services to give worn-out grandparents a break. Massey University academic Jill Worrell did the first comprehensive study of grandparents raising grandchildren four years ago. Her most recent research echoes the Minister's intentions and also what I've heard from grandparents I've visited. They're desperate for a break. It's one of the factors that we're not addressing sufficiently, that when a grandparent who is, well, probably between 60 and uh, 69, some, some, many are in their 70s, and we even have some in their 80s, are saying, just a bit of a break. You can just read between the lines the weariness and the tiredness that they're experiencing, having to get up to babies in the night and such things, and they do need a break in order to maintain their own health, both psychological health and physical health. Jill Worrell thinks a gradual partnering of families with similar kinship care arrangements could help. But only if the relationship between the children and the other family is built up gradually. The Minister of Social Development, Paula Bennett, says she's serious about improving respite care within the next year. I'd love to see it happening in a camp, you know, so I'd love to, for it to actually be for, you know, a week or two weeks and for them to actually get that real time out. I think any parent needs a bit of time out every now and then and, and sometimes it's that, that sort of survival mode where you know it's coming up and you're going to get a bit of a break. You get to have that and then you start afresh and with, you know, renewed vigour when those children come back home. You often see grandparents that have such a range of ages, so they're dealing with wee ones through to teenagers. Boy, that must be 
be hard. You know, how do you keep an eye on everyone and meet everyone's needs? So my way of thinking is that if we can step in and help in that holiday, six or seven weeks over Christmas is such a long time for them to have these children. And certainly, I know the Prime Minister's really staunch on this as well, is, um, you know, if we can step in and take over some of that sort of break time for them, I think we'd be doing it. Paula Bennett is considering funding the camps using the Out of School Care and Recreation, or OSCAR, subsidy, which helps families with the costs of before and after school care and holiday programmes. But the grandparents I spoke with say it's not that simple. Can you turn that TV off, please? Like many children who have had to be removed from their parents, Terry and Murray Utu Taonga's grandson Isaiah has been traumatised by his experience. He has Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, and the Utu Taongas feel they'd lose gains made with his behaviour if they farmed him out to a camp. It's only delaying the inevitable, you know, like it might give you that bit of a breather, you think, oh, thank God, he's gone, <laughs> or that we can have a house back again. Because, um, you know, you, it's the behaviour and how he is hasn't changed. So you just know that even though you might have had the weekend off, Come Monday morning, it's all on again. Terry says because of Isaiah's disorder, the youngster needs routine and predictability. But she's holding out hope that he'll be able to cope with respite one day. Sally and Norman Kapak are also caught in a situation where respite care, for now, wouldn't work. Sally says while she'd love a break from their four-year-old granddaughter, the child's attachment disorder makes it impossible. We've never taken it up. And I think that's partly my doing because I don't know how about feel about her going to somebody's place that's virtually a stranger. Do you I think you're more protective of her because of the reasons that she oh, came to you? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Much more protective of her. Mm. I think there's another overriding reason, and that is uh, a question of fear of abandonment. Mm. When she was an infant, she lived in a number of different places, and met a number of different people. I understand as little as a week or two, and then perhaps some months, but always on the move. And I believe that until she's older, hopefully she'll get over it. But still in all, there is that hidden sense that she might feel she's with strangers and starting that entire routine all over again, which is probably the real reason why we've not taken respite care. Sally says she and Norman have already had experiences where their granddaughter becomes anxious if either of them try to leave the house without her. On one level, the burden of looking after grandchildren at a time when life should be getting easier appears overwhelming. But there's more to it than money worries and eternal tiredness. All of the grandparents I've spoken with say although the child came into their lives through difficult circumstances, overall it's a joy to watch them grow and succeed. And I was one, I sucked my thumb, I jumped aboard a pirate ship and the captain said to me... Being able to focus on a little soul, exploring life, coming out with expressions that you don't normally anticipate, these are the, the great moments. She's a delight, she's a light of our lives. Hmm. He has worked hard at achieving, he does know that... You only get out of life what you put into it. And I've tried to get him to live a good life. Uh, I hope I've succeeded. The best thing for me will be seeing these two graduate at something, you know. That would be it for me. Every day before they walk out the door, it's I love you, Nan.
makes it all worthwhile. That programme was written and presented by Teresa Cowie. It was produced by Sue Ingram.